Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. You are in for a real treat. I am so excited that it's early-ish in the year, and we have an amazing, wonderful, remarkable guest uh, joining us who I know you're going to be learning a lot from today. Now, Alyssa, who I met through Frank, and I'm so excited, Alyssa Carpenter is a highly sought after communication and inclusion trainer and keynote speaker, helping teams of all sizes hire and develop diverse and inclusive teams and create the right kind of organizational culture. She is the author of How to Listen and How to Be Heard. Um, and I also think Scott Ferguson had something to do with this introduction. Mm -hmm. So please help me welcome Alyssa. Welcome, Alyssa. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. So excited to, to have you here today. I've been, I've been super looking forward to this. I know the holidays sort of get crazy. So we, we sort of push this off to, to the beginning of the year, but I think it's perfect timing because what you're bringing to the table is something that everybody needs to hear about. Everybody is, is eager to learn about. We see it everywhere now on, on social media, in business magazines. And, and, and I know that there's going to be a lot that we're going to sort of suck out of you today. So I really appreciate you, you being here and sharing with us. How has 2021 started for you? The first couple of days has been crazy in terms of kind of what's going on in the world, but I'm, I'm hope I'm really, really hopeful that it will change. Things will shift um, and we'll get somewhere um, as we kind of move forward. So I think the only way to go is up is my is my philosophy of kind of where we are and I'm I'm just really I'm hopeful. Yes, I love that. I love that Alyssa. And I and I know that guys, if you don't know Alyssa already, you're gonna get to know her throughout this episode. You're gonna get sucked into her energy because she is as positive, as energized, as as thinking outside of the box as you can get, which I think is is why I was immediately attracted to who she is, what she's doing. I got so excited about, about being able to have her on the show. So, so Alyssa, let me ask you a question because I've read, I, you know, as I was doing the research and as we got to know each other, uh, read a lot about you and your history. And it seems that including others has always been part of your DNA, but how would you say that started if you had to, if you had to guess? Yeah, it's so interesting because I didn't realize it was part of my DNA. I think it's one of those things, just in general, you wake up and you you do you, right? You do the things that you are good at, you enjoy to do, and don't realize that this is unique and special and different about you. And I kind of the aha moment for me, and then it went back to, oh, I do this all the time, was when I took the Gallup, the StrengthsFinder assessment, and that was my number one strength was includer. Like, well, that makes sense. You know, that's me, communication and positivity and achiever and communication. And that was me. And it, I didn't realize that was different, you know, about people just thinking about even growing up and there would be somebody sitting on the side in their class and you know they're not talking to other people and me going up to them and having a question making sure people were invited to birthday party i mean those little little things mm -hmm. i didn't realize was different i assumed everybody did that you see somebody sitting by themselves you want to make sure they're okay you want to make sure they're included but in the workplace it was during even interview processes when i was interviewing for different positions 
and realizing that people aren't talking to each other. I would sit in different interviews for one position and be interviewed by this group of five and then this group of five and then another group and realizing that they're not talking to each other. There's something missing here in validation. So realizing that that was different, that we're not always thinking about what we do and how we say and how it impacts other people was actually something unique and something different. That's, that's pretty amazing. And, and uh, uh, again, I guess coming from, it was just at your heart. It was part of who you were. And, and this doesn't make sense if this person is sitting alone, but how you've been able to translate that into the workplace, even from your own experience being on the other side of that, that interview, you know, uh, table, if you will, how how you how you were able to identify listen there's some there's a disconnect here is that because i think that mm -hmm. happens a lot more often than we think especially if the culture of an organization is not diversity or inclusive friendly would you say that that's might be the case yeah and it's not we're not intentionally doing it i think for the most part we're not intentionally excluding people but you know what you know in your space in your lane in your department your jobs and your tasks and you don't always know how that impacts other people or how what you do it needs to be done in a certain cycle for somebody else to do their job and then so on and so forth and especially now that a lot of people are working virtually you're not able to just pop into somebody's office and see what's happening or looking over there and seeing somebody's busy or what they're working on we're missing that visual component of a cycle that we might have and when i was working in higher education i would even notice we were essentially having the same type of events on the same evening for the same people, but it would be multiple events. So you're competing against one another because there's no conversation happening. There's no, what are you doing? And how does this look like? Or how can we work together? And it just leads to duplication of efforts, just frustration in terms of turf wars and territories and who's responsible, just time and money. And so much can happen because we're not opening the conversation. We're not including other people. We're not asking questions. Yeah, and I, I can totally see that, especially now, Alyssa, with this, and, and you touched on it a little bit, as, as we've sort of morphed into this remote workforce uh, that we've been in, that the, that the pandemic sort of forced us into, I don't know that we're going to go back to the way it was completely. I think a lot of people are finding the benefits and finding ways to navigate in the way that, it's, that it has helped so many people to be able to, I think a lot of, I've heard statistics where people are working even more hours when they're working from home. The productivity is higher when they're working from home. There's not a lot of drive time wasted. People don't have that, that stress. So I, and I've had conversations over the last several months with people around that, that this may be something that is here to stay. So how do you now, and I know you're used to working with, with teams, and, and creating an organizational culture around what you do. But how do you, how do you, is there an, an additional layer now that has to happen as we're, as we're in this remote workforce space that we're in right now? 
But I think what happened originally when, when everything happened back in March of 2020, you're basically given kind of your laptop, the charger, and it was go at it, right? You know, we'll be fine. We'll be back in two weeks or whenever that was. And then people started to slowly, okay, this is going to be more long-term, but we'll be back by August. We'll be back by July, you know, and now it's becoming kind of more and more, you're setting up your office space, you have, you have this place, but we haven't always shifted the responsibilities, how we work and how we communicate, even though we're not with each other. And I always think it's a good time, no matter what time of year it is, whether you're in person or virtually, to do a communication checkup, to see how everybody's doing. And now more than ever, I mean, we're at the beginning of the year, even asking your team what's working, what's not working, what should we stop doing, what should we start doing, what should we continue doing, and figuring out how is the best way to communicate with people. I think, you know, before if you're, you're deferring to a face-to-face and hopping into people's offices, you don't have that now. Is our deferral uh, an instant message? Is it an email? Is it a Zoom call? You know, how is the best way to get in touch with people? And back to what you were saying before, I think we're working more hours and half of it is because we don't really have boundaries. It's really hard, you know, your supervisors emailing, calling, texting you because they know you're going to be home and that keeps continuing. And there has to be a conversation with everybody of when are our working hours? Are there specific hours? What are our responsibilities? And even looking at timelines and deadlines, you know, things that were important that were due maybe in February or March, is that still what's a priority? Are those still things that we need to work on? So I think it's now more than ever a great time to do a checkup and have a really open conversation with your team about expectations, communication preferences, so you're able to make adjustments and changes moving forward. Oof, and, and, and that's the big key. And everything that you're saying, it's just popping out at me. It's that importance of the communication, you know, the, the, the clarity of vision, the expectations, very clear expectations. And, and my corporate clients that I work with, that's always the big thing. Listen, um, the expectation has to be very clear. And if at the leadership level, they don't have clarity on that, how do you expect mm-hmm. for that to transfer down? So I love what you're saying about the communication. And it sounds like, like there really needs to be, and if it wasn't there before, it needs to be there. But even if it was there, it needs to be taken to another, to another level. Even what you said about the boundaries, I, I think that that's what it is. You know, we figure, hey, it's, it's eight o'clock at night, but let me just shoot this email and see if they're there. Maybe we'll get it done. And it just, it just becomes, um, it, yeah. it sort of stretches normal, I guess. But, but you know what? It does. Yeah. And I think it's okay. Yeah. And I think it's okay to send that I mean, obviously, you know, having those conversations with your team, I think it's okay to send that email at eight o'clock or there's ways in Outlook and other platforms where you can say, send it later and send it in the morning. But there has to be a conversation of, I'm the type of man, I just need to get it off my mind. I'm going to send this to your email. Don't answer it until the next work day. Don't worry about it. I just need to get it off. Or, you know, we are expecting you to get back to emails in 24 to 48 hours, or if I don't get back to you in 24 hours, I've had a lot of clients say this, if I don't get back to you in 24 hours, send me another email, it's probably lost. A lot of this is really foundational questions, because if you don't have those expectations, you can't even hold people accountable for it. You know, if you're going to bring them up to HR or whatever, and they say they don't get back to you in time, or they take too long to respond, well, how long was, you know, was it set that they were supposed to get back to you or they waited too long to get the client? If you haven't said it's 24 hours or 48 hours, 
it's going to be hard to call people out because there's no, they don't know what they need to meet, right? right? So, you know, things can get pushed on the back burner. So having those conversations is really crucial. So important. So important. And I, I, I love you for bringing that up now. Now we're hearing a lot of talk and I don't want to, I don't want to shift gears, but it does, this does stay in line with the communication, which I think is the undertone of everything that you do anyway. But we hear a lot of this talk about diver- the importance of diversifying. And from an organizational level, I think there was, especially, you know, as, as tensions sort of got a little prickly, um, middle of, of last year, not that, not that it's, it's not a political thing. It was just, it was just, it's time to pay attention to things that we haven't been paying attention to for a long time. Um, for an, an organization looking to, to really ramp up their, their diversity. Is, is it, is that all it takes, you know, bringing in uh, diverse people or, or, you know, what, what would you say about the importance of sharing the floor and valuing their input? Is it, is it, there's a lot more to the, to this, you know, diversity game than just diversifying, right? There is. And I want to break apart the question a little bit because I think, Sometimes we think it's okay. Now I have the charge of I'm going to make our organization more diverse and inclusive. That's what I'm responsible for within my organization. But we don't know what that means and what that looks like. So just to kind of break it down a little bit, diversity, there's really three types of diversity. And this can be a lot of confusion too. So you have demographic diversity, which is race and gender and ethnicity, things we typically hear about when we think about diversity. Then we have experiential diversity. So that could be our hobbies, the languages we speak, where we grew up, where we went to school, if we didn't go to school. And then we have um, the third type of diversity, which is cognitive diversity. So that's where neurodiversity falls in. You have dyslexia, you have ADHD, all of those things. So you have three different almost buckets that are in diversity, but we're all in each one of those buckets, right? We all, just because we may look very similar, we may have grown up in different spaces and we think differently. And sometimes when we're given the charge of let's make our organization more diverse, we're not defining at first, what does that look like? Are you looking for people who think outside the box and who think differently? And whether it's hiring or bringing people into different groups, are you looking for different races and genders and ethnicities and why, and why is this really important? But when we ask to hire people, we also to create at the same time, if not before, a culture in which that's where the inclusion piece comes in. Because diversity is just a fact, it's people. And then inclusion is really a practice and creating those spaces where we're actively inviting opinions and the belonging is when people actually feel like they're meant to be there. Mm -hmm. If we hire people in those three categories or those three spaces together into an organization that's not inclusive, they're going to leave because people don't feel heard, they don't feel welcome, they don't feel appreciated. So sometimes diversity gets to be a numbers game of we need 50% female, 30% black employees, whatever that is. But at the same time, we need to invite different voices to the table and be open about inviting different voices to the table and creating those spaces. And there's so many different strategies to do that, but it all goes together. Um, It's even looking at policy. There's so much there that needs to be done above and beyond, let's just create a more diverse organization because that can just get a little crazy. Um, You don't know what that means or looks like or really haven't had that space 
piece where people even want to stay. So it's just a revolving door. And that's, that's brilliant, Alyssa, because I think what happens is, especially when there's turmoil or pressure, uh, people are looking at just one layer of this diversity equation. So I love the way that you describe that. And I'm wondering, and I'm just curious from your experience, uh, if you had to guess or throw out a number of, of the percentage of organizations that, that are, are putting themselves out there as, as diversity, being in tune as far as diversification, are they are are the ones that ma are making that claim? Do you think that they're thinking about those three buckets and the inclusion piece? I think some are. Um, it's hard to tell in terms of what's out there on social media. I mean, you have people who have reports and they'll say, you know, we're a diverse organization, but a lot of the reports don't have the retention piece. So they might consistently have 50% black employees, but it doesn't mean it's the same 50% that has stayed there for one year, for two years, for three years. They're not always tracking that or tracking what that looks like. And it's important to start doing that and to ask questions, you know, within your organization of what is diversity? What does it look like? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to see if that we have an inclusive environment and what, is that, what does that look like for our employees? Because, I mean, you can say you're diverse and you can have the numbers that show you're diverse, but what, is that, what does that mean, right? It's at the end of the day, just numbers that are, that are sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, so know it's, I mean, it's a, a tough one. Yeah, it, it is. But I, but I think it's, it really comes down to education. And I think that's probably why, or part of why you're so passionate about really educating these organizations on, on creating the right type of culture. And I, and I know that you always say um, diversity fails without inclusion and inclusion doesn't exist without diversity. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit, but I think that's a beautiful way to, to really put into yeah. words just what's missing out there. And if you're thinking, and yeah, and even going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning in terms of inclusion, it's something that naturally comes to me and I'm thinking, okay, who's in the room that needs to be here? You know, you're holding a meeting, you're having something, who's, is there some, some voice that's not here that we need? Is somebody going to challenge a status quo? How will this decision impact our black and brown colleagues? What are we looking to gain? Who is our target audience? You know, think about those different things when you're bringing people together and inviting different people to the table to have those conversations and giving them a voice. Without the diversity in the room to really think through those decisions, you're not able to have inclusion. You're going to have a lot of yay sayers, you know, mm -hmm. people who are like, yes, 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 because everybody thinks the same way. And that's where you have a lot of organizations making a ton of mistakes with different products and advertising and things out there that are blatantly, you're thinking, how in the world did this get past a group of people? And it's because everybody's coming from the same experience. Right. Um, so being really open about that. But if that's not intuitive to you, find people on your team and in your group where it is. Mm -hmm. You know, ask them to challenge you to invite other people to have those conversations. Keep those list of questions, 
you know, how will this impact our black and brown colleagues? Who are we trying to target? Keep those questions in the back of your mind every time that you're making a decision, every time that you're launching a new product, every time you're reaching out to new clients at the ready. So if it's not intuitive, you know, okay, I have to run through these questions before I make that final decision to make, to make sure it's just as inclusive as it can be. That's just brilliant. Uh, amazing, Alyssa. And I, and, I, and I can just see how an organization who brings you in to either do the training or, or restructure the, the, the culture, if you will, is just they have to be blown away when they're hearing all this stuff <laughs> from you. Because, because for you, it's very obvious because this is your expertise. This is part of your DNA, as we discussed early on. But then when you bring that concept, and I think one of the questions that I have coming up is, is um, you know, that holy shift factor, you know, you know, and, and my question to you would be, what would be your, your holy shift factor? But I'm thinking when you come into an organization and they're hearing something that we all think that we know what it means, we all think that we're doing it right. And then you hear Alyssa's take on, the way it really needs to be so that we're always incorporating their thinking, holy shit, right? And, and I think yeah. that's what makes you so unique. Oh, it's, I think it's tough work. And I think what's so difficult about it is you really have to think deep, right? About yourself and your reflection and how you interact with people. And a two-hour training, a three-day training, like, isn't going to change your culture in the long term. There are conversations, it's those aha moments, but diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, that work is, should be weaved into every single thing that you do, every conversation that you have, every hire that you make, the products that you have. I mean, even thinking when you go back into an office space, you know, your physical space, you have differently able people. Is this okay for them. You're having different bathroom signs. Are they non-binary signs? I mean, the language in your policies, are they all spouse or are they partner? Are they he or she or are they they and them? There's so many. It is overwhelming. And I think the oh shit factor comes from, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just, I want to hire some more women for this role. And that's what it is. Yeah. And it's, starting small and like peeling those layers off and not just like slapping policies and slapping band-aids on stuff, but what are the things that we already have that are essentially excluding people from the beginning mm -hmm. and how can we change that? You know, when we put out different ads for job descriptions, are they saying that, that people need to, even things we're talking about differently abled people, that people need to stand for three hours at a time or thinking about shift work or lift, you know, 50 pounds. Are those actually really things that people need to do, or is it be you know set in the same place you know for the same period of time? When you're saying somebody needs to talk to clients, do they really need to talk, or can they communicate with clients through email, through text? By changing wording of different things, mm -hmm. you're being more inclusive. So there's so many layers, and again, it is like this oh shit, there's so much going on. <laughs> but you know, taking it one step at a time and, and looking what you have and the policy is that are already written um, and how you might be able to change that and asking your, your employees and having those open conversations of, you know, what should, what are we doing well and what should we stop doing? 
struggling or, you know, do you feel included? Do you feel like you belong? Like getting that pulse of the organization can be really helpful before you just start shaking things up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm blown away, Alyssa, because we've had a couple of conversations <laughs> and I've just loved everything I heard, but now it's taken it to a, to an entirely different level where I'm thinking, man, this is, this is, this is, I, I know it's important, but this is, this is like you're saying, it's, it's, it's not just come in and do it. It really is. You're, you're re rewiring the, the, the culture, the culture of the organization where it's just normal. It's not just yeah. like you said, you're taking care of a symptom. You're really healing the entire process along the way with what you do. So Alyssa, how, how do people hire you? How can an organization that's looking to, to cover those bases of just to set up that, that culture? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, you can reach out to me on my website at notokethatsokaycoach.com. Um, there's a form to fill out. I, I have conversations with people. I ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. um, because I want to understand at that point, where are you? What are your goals? What are you looking for? To see if it's a good match, to see if it's, you know, you're really looking to shift the work organization, what that might look like to you, and then kind of work through that process to see what might work, what might, is it consulting, is it training, or, you know, what might be best for the organization to move forward. Amazing, amazing. And what's the website again? Not okay, that's okay, coach.com. I love it, I love it. And, I, and I'll put that, I'll put that in the, in the car letter, call letters when we announce the, um, the, the, the podcast the, the show, but Alyssa, you're also very active on LinkedIn, right? Cause I think a lot of people like connecting. Yes. And, and people can reach out to me there as well. Perfect. Yeah. I love Perfect. LinkedIn. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I'll, and I'll include that today, but listen, before we go again, I want to thank you so much for, for just blessing us with so much. I feel like I, I want to have you back if you have time and I know you're being pulled in a million different directions, but I, I, I think there's so much Alyssa, that, that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface, the surface of, and, um, and, and I, that's why you're being pulled in a million different directions, but I, (laughs) I would love to dig in and I took some notes on, on just things that we, and and again, since our audience is, is really an entrepreneurial audience, are they, are they really aware of all those things that you've opened my eyes to that we think we're doing everything and, and, and there's so many layers, like you said. But um, Alyssa, if I if I looked you up in the dictionary, what what would it say? I would optimistic is something that continues to kind of come out this optimistic positivity because despite I'm a very hopeful person and despite kind of everything that's going on, I'm always trying to troubleshoot different ideas and bring people together and figure out how can we move on um, from there. I don't think it's the cloud, the head in the clouds type of thing. I think I'm a realistic, positive person and not just pushing positivity when, you know, we really aren't in that space, um, but somebody who's really thinking strategically of how can we move forward to create a more positive space. Beautiful. I love that. And, and I love what you just said. I, I, uh, in my, um, a book I, I wrote, The Why is the Way, a couple of years ago. It's, it's just the views from an optimistic realist <laughs> because that's, that's just, I believe they both exist on the same realm. So what is the big dream? Big dream, I have to ask. Um, 
right now it's to go on some vacation and <laughs> some island for a little bit of time. I think that's kind of my, my immediate big dream. Um, but I really, I want to get the word out there to people because I think when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, that people think it's human resources or it's the leadership, but that in everything that we do, we each have our own power. We each have the opportunity to make a difference. We each have a voice and to really get the word out there to empower people to use their voice um, to take positive action within their lives, within their communities, and within their organizations. I love it. I love it. So Alyssa, what can we expect to see from you now in this brand new 2021? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I had a book come out last year um, in M M May, kind of amidst everything going on. So it's such a great experience. I'm excited to get out there a little bit more with the book, hopefully in person, you know, come the Good. fall, you know, things going on. Right now, I have an online course of how to be a diversity, equity, inclusion change maker and a mastermind group. So that's been keeping me really busy, being bringing groups of people together, looking to have that within the organization. So self-paced class, mastermind group, and that's just been a really wonderful experience. So you're going to kind of see a lot more of that and that ever-changing um, environment that we're in. Wonderful. And Alisa, Alisa, the course, the online course, you said it's a self-study course. What is, who is that, uh, who does that benefit the most to take a course like that? Yeah, anybody who oversees a team, so a person who has authority in some type of way, you don't have to be the owner of your organization, it can be for a small team, but somebody who oversees people where they have the power and authority to work together and make change in that space. Okay, wonderful. And what is the name of the course? How to be a diversity, equity, and inclusion change maker. I love it. And they can find out on your website as well, I would imagine, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So you've got a busy 2021, to say the least. Um, I am excited. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited. I hope that that island vacation uh, can be squeezed in there somehow. I, you know, maybe in the summer when... When the kids are off. By myself, I think. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So it could be any time. But I, I love that. I love At that. first I thought I would bring my family, but the more I think about it, just like a day or two yeah, on the yeah. island. Just yes, there you go. I love it. I love it, Alyssa. Well, listen, again, I am so grateful for you. I am blessed to know you. I thank you for, for coming on and, and just being a blessing to to everyone who's listening. And you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. All right, Alyssa. Okay, folks, you heard it here. Go out there and do good and be great and go play outside. Have fun, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>